0: This is the John Oakley Show podcast. Back at your hour two. Great day for talk radio coming up shortly. It's our panel and topics worthy of discussion with Peter Tabbins, Joe Mahovic, and Anthony Fury. Actually, just saw Anthony posting on uh, Post Media News's website, uh, interesting article. How earlier this morning several liberal cabinet ministers convened a press conference to announce what they're doing to combat fake news disinformation and foreign interference in the upcoming federal election. The plan includes 7 million dollars to fund workshops that aim to teach Canadians how to sort through potential disinformation as well as critically assess online news reporting and editorials. <laughs> I love it. Uh big government in action. Let's get Mark Stein in here. Mark Stein joining the Oakley Show, international best-selling author and host of the Mark Stein Show. Uh, maybe Mark,
1: you know. He... No, that's uh, that's terrific. So the ruling party is proposing to hold workshops at which citizens will learn what uh, news to believe and what news not to believe.
0: You've got it. Uh-huh. Yeah, You've summed it up that's... nicely.
1: That's, that's good. Uh, that is very, that's, where did they get that idea from, by the way? That's, uh, there used to be a bit of that on the other side of the iron curtain in the old <laughs> days, uh, although those, uh, those workshops could be uh, pretty brusque if you didn't get up to speed quickly enough.
0: You are correct. Uh, as a matter of fact, they've got something else called the Critical Election Incident Public Protocol. Oh, how right. Orwellian is that?
1: <laughs> no, they say no, that is that is that is this is fantastic stuff. Uh, that, that, but I think that I think that's uh, I think that's magnificent. So so how so in order? I mean, I think they should take this further. In order to be qualified to vote, you should actually need to have aced your re-education, your Liberal Party re-education camp, fake news workshop. <laughs> I think that should be a condition of voting. You know, otherwise there could be just so much unpredictability in voting because you might you might accidentally believe some fake news website like uh, I don't know conservativepartyofcanada.com and that might send you off in a whole wacky direction to vote for some other party. This is a brilliant idea. I'm I'm so glad they've instituted.
0: Well, seven million dollars uh, buys you a lot of preemption, I guess. Oh. <laughs> so, <That's right. laughs> I mean, this is unbel- if the government becomes aware of an interference Attempt during the election, a panel of listen to this. A panel of senior bureaucrats will be convened to figure out whether it's serious or not. (laughs) Oh, so the Ministry of Truth,
1: right? So the senior bureaucrats from the Ministry of Truth uh, will determine whether you have been unduly influenced by some improper news source. Yeah, that's that's likely to work out. I mean, what's what's just in going to why do we just go full banana republic and have police chiefs in reflector shades telling you what you can and cannot do,
0: you know? Well, how do you account for this? It's almost an infantilization of our culture, society and, uh, you know, where the elites tend to believe that they know what's best. We're inexorably marching towards this, aren't we?
1: Well, we're actually getting to the stage now where we are in, you know, in 1984, you mentioned George Orwell. The whole thing was that there was this kind of fictional uh, offstage war that had been going on for decades and justified everything they were doing. Uh, Now we've reached the stage where uh, the the foreign threat, for for example, Hillary Clinton blamed her election loss on Macedonian content farmers. This is Macedonia. Macedonia is a country that is so impotent, it's not even allowed to call itself Macedonia because uh, the bit of Macedonia that's in Greece, the Greeks all object to Macedonia calling itself Macedonia. So in order to be able to join the European Union, it had to uh, rename, it, uh, rename itself uh, as uh, a Blueberry Muffin with a side order of cream cheese or something. So it's like its official name is... Uh, the, the 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 Republic uh, that was formerly part of Yugoslavia called the Yugoslavia part of Macedonia <laughs> or something like that mm. it's not and yet and yet they the Macedonian content farmers for about fifty thousand dollars. Destroyed the Hillary Clinton campaign and elected Donald Trump. So you think about it. You think about all these campaign consultants. You think about these guys like uh, what's he called, Gerald Butts, uh, Butts, Mm. who works for all these. Why do it? Why not? (laughs) If it's so easy to, to to win elections. Why don't you just say instead of hiring all these million-dollar consultants and uh, all the rest of them? Why don't you say I'm I'm, do- I'm not I'm doing I'm not doing it that way. I'm just going to give fifty thousand dollars to some gnarled old Macedonian content farmers <laughs> on the old content farm down in Macedonia, and they'll win the election for me. I don't, you know, <laughs> this is. And and suddenly this Macedonia, you know, uh, you know, the liberal Justin Trudeau could really be in trouble, not because of that conservative guy. He's useless. He's a loser. But uh, the Macedonian content farmers somewhere out there on the it's quiet out there. It's too quiet. That could mean the Macedonian content farmers are farming Macedonian content even as we speak. Well, I mean this this is the this that I think I think we should all shelter in place as they say until the Macedonian content farm stone storm blows over because actually you know this bitterly cold weather they say we're having in Toronto right now it's not actually it's uh, it's fantastic it's balmy I'm walking around in shorts this whole cold weather thing is just got up by the Macedonian content farmers
0: the sheeple are easily manipulated Mark Stein is with us international best selling author and host Of the Mark Stein Show. Hey, you mentioned Hillary Clinton. Now, uh, some people are suggesting, well, you know, Hillary might take another run up that hill in 2020. (laughs) I mean, (laughs) what what are your thoughts? I mean, look, uh, we've seen uh, some of the other candidates on offer. I'm not sure she's the worst anymore. Uh,
1: No, everyone has got it's Basically, uh, everybody is doing a a Bernie Sanders. That whole, all the Democrats are running as Bernie Sanders, things that you were that Bernie proposed last time round and Hillary said were pie in the sky, uh, like universal uh, health care, uh, single payer health care and uh, government pre-kindergarten and free college and all the rest of it. Uh, now, uh, everybody in the Democrat Party is actually running like a sort of Canadian NDP-er, uh this time round. So, if you'd want to talk about foreign interference uh, in other people's elections, I, I think that may be uh, that may be the place to start. These ca- it's interesting. The Democrats uh, have basically there's no place for Hillary because you know Bernie won as far as the party's concerned. He's hmm. turned them into a conventional uh, Euro Canadian Social Democratic Party now.
0: Right, and uh, she's been outflanked now by the likes of the Kamala Harrises and uh, your friend Elizabeth Warren. But let me ask you about this. I was watching 60 Minutes on Sunday, and the ex-CEO of Starbucks, Howard Schultz, uh, he says he's considering a run for the presidency as an independent, and the real interesting blowback from that is how the Democrats' heads are exploding.
1: Yeah, because they think, uh, they don't want, they understand that Uh, An independent can win five percent of the vote and actually deliver the electoral college uh, to the other guy. So they're concerned about that. I don't know how that's going to go. You know, Howard Howard Schultz is, is I mean, Starbucks is the. I mean, I don't get the whole Starbucks thing. Anyway, because it's 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 brilliant. I mean, then this may be why the guy thinking out, because if you'd said to me, if you notice every other kind of food has got faster over the last century, Mm. doesn't matter whether you're talking about burgers or fries. Coffee is the only thing that has got slower, because before you just used to sit at the counter and say, give me a cup of joe. And she'd pour it in your cup and you'd sit there and it'd be a bottomless cup. So for a nickel, you could drink coffee all morning and be a nickel. And Howard Schultz is the guy who said, no, no, that's not what people want. People want to pay $6.95 for a cup of coffee, and they want to stand there for 25 minutes <laughs> through, during a lot of whooshing and froshing, whether you decide you're going to have caramel sprinkles or pepperoni on the top. And if you had come to me with that business, I, was, and I would I – would, I mean, for a start, he's uh, going to be in a great position. You know, he he. people will say on election night, you know, when the losing candidate – always demands the recount. They'll say, well, polls closed in Florida at uh, 7 o'clock, still with long lines of people waiting to vote, stretching out all down. Oh, no, no, wait, that's just the regular line at Starbucks. I mean, (laughs) the thing about it is this guy discovered a business model. If you had said to anyone in the entirety of human history, people will wait 25 minutes, uh, to pay for a cup of coffee for 6.95 and you don't get a refill for that you don't mm. get a refill you're back to square one if you say oh well uh, actually could you do- i have a second one but uh, hold the pepperoni this time uh <laughs> If you had said that to anyone on the planet throughout human history as a business model, they would have said, you're nuts. Uh, this guy pulled it off. Uh, it, it would not be uh, prudent to write him off uh, mm. I, at this stage because that is some kind of genius. If you can get people to pay six ninety five for coffee. That's some kind of genius, right?
0: Now. He could be president. Well, it's as the comedian Lewis Black once pointed out. He was in a Starbucks. He looked across the street, kitty corner, saw another Starbucks, thought he discovered the end of the universe. <laughs> so, that's that's, that's, that's right. They're everywhere. Uh, Mark Stein yeah. is with us. Hey, I've got to ask you something, too. Uh, this is sort of showed up uh, concurrently. Tom Broca, he's now having to apologize after saying on a Sunday morning chat show that Hispanics should be working harder to assimilate and learn English, be more proficient right. in English. English, and then you've got this Duke University professor who's actually uh, been dislodged from uh, one of the roles she had at the university because she said uh, there are too many speakers like the foreign students, Chinese students especially, uh, that speak in their own language while they're on campus, and it doesn't help them going forward for job prospects and things like that. I mean, this has now become a third rail where you're suggesting that people be proficient in the lingua franca or the language of the country.
1: Yeah, I think Tom Brokaw is what what happens to uh, progressive liberals when they get out of touch. He's an he he didn't realise that assimilation is now a dirty word, and it's been that way in parts of Europe, Germany, and Scandinavia for a while. They don't like the word assimilation; they prefer integration, which doesn't really mean much more than that you're expected to obey the laws of the country you've come to, which actually is the bare minimum, you can ask. But he, you, the point he's making is an is an important one. I mean, uh, in um, Miami, for example, 70 percent of uh, people in Miami speak Spanish at home and exclusively Spanish. So that's become a, a Spanish city. And Canadians know, as Belgians know, uh, and as other countries know, that language, if you don't have a common language, you, you don't share jokes, you don't share pop music. I mean, there's, Quebec is full of pop stars no one's heard of in Ontario and Quebec's full of comedians that nobody's heard of in Ontario because you can't share jokes. And it gets actually to the core of this. Can we widen the discussion, or is it now a crime to suggest that any one person is foreign to another person? In other words, is this so toxic now that the very concept of foreignness is now something that no wise person wishing to remain politically viable will speak about?
0: Interesting point. I got to go home and put on some Robert Charlebois and uh, feel fully assimilated in my own no, land. No, no, no.
1: Let's let's next <laughs> next time we're on, we're going to count down your 20 favorite Quebec vedettes. Monsieur Oakley.
0: Well, well, Patsy Gallant would be on there from New York to oh, LA. Oh, no. Yeah, Patsy's, Patsy's stealing the from Gilles Vigneault.
1: Yeah. Oh no, no, no. Gilles Vigneault benefited from that. Uh, When uh, he he made a ton of money from that. The idea that it was stolen from him is entirely false, John.
0: All right. Well, you've corrected the record, and for that, I feel properly chastised. All (laughs) (laughs) right. All right. À bientôt, Oui,
1: à la prochaine, monsieur.
0: (laughs) Mark Stein, international best-selling author and host of the Mark Stein Show.